Meet 2024's most anticipated robot vacuum, Eufy X10 Pro Omni. With powerful 8,000 PA suction and MopMaster's dual mop pads, it keeps your floor sparkling clean. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards, and Digital Trends says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Manchester City Football Social with Blue Moon Rising. It's Tuesday, that means it's uh, Manchester City Hour, the Manchester Football Social, Manchester City. I'm Ian Cheeseman and I've been here for a long time now doing this, uh, but uh, we're doing something slightly different from now on on Tuesdays. That's not to say we don't have City legends like Mr Paul Dickoff in the studio. How are we, mate? You alright? You alright? Back from your world travels? Yeah, just for the time being. <laughs> where, have you, where, where have you been since we last spoke? You must have been everywhere, uh, you? Yeah, just a couple of little trips to China, Australia. South Korea and Abu Dhabi for the Grand Prix last weekend, which was oh, a real, so really difficult, jealous. really I'm hard work so it was there, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm sure it was. <laughs> you got to take your lad out there, didn't you? Yeah, I did. He's, he's Formula 1 daft, so it was great, and it was his 20th birthday on the day of the Grand Prix, so it was, it was great to take him out for a few days. I suspect that uh, Natalie is alongside me, he's going to be one of my regular sidekicks, or perhaps I'm her sidekick, I don't know which way around that works. Will be mutual sidekicks of each other. <laughs> yes, um, sounds good. You, from City Square, so Natalie and Danny will be regularly my um, uh, co-hosts, call, call it whatever you like, friends, colleagues, yeah, yeah uh, City on, fans. On, on a Tuesday night, I, I suspect you were watching um, the, the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Were you feeling jealous or no? No, but it, I am very jealous hearing about the, the the world travels of Mr. Paul Dickoff. But you know, couldn't have happened to a nicer man. You know, obviously, Absolutely. fully deserve it. Yes, yes, I say through gritted teeth. <laughs> <laughs> now we've got loads we can talk about tonight. Uh, starting, of course, with the game uh, at the weekend against Bournemouth and. For the first time, I, I, I have to admit, I sat there at times when it was 1-1, uh, certainly when it was 2-1 with 10 minutes to go, feeling, feeling a little bit nervous, a little bit anxious that City weren't going to complete the victory. It's a long time since I've felt like that. Did you like it? Did you like it? Did you miss that feeling? Yeah, I suppose I did in a way, but I also have got used to just sitting there being completely relaxed and, and just savouring Every second. You remember when Martin Tyler did that commentary and he said, drink it in. And, and that, yeah. that goes through my mind sometimes. I'm thinking, I'm going to drink this in. I'm drinking every second in. But, but yeah, there was a bit of jeopardy there. At the I weekend, liked wasn't it. There? I enjoyed it. Paul and I were saying before, it was nice having 10 or 15 minutes where, where somebody had a go at us. And I was like, oh, like, oh no, they've scored. And then I was like, oh, someone scored. Like, what's going to happen now? This will be interesting. You know, it was it was a different dynamic. And it was brilliant to see the fact that we can you know, take a little bit of pressure for 10 or 15 minutes and then we can still go on and win. Absolutely. I th- and I think you've got to give Bournemouth credit and Eddie Howe. You know, um, Eddie's somebody I've known for a long, long time and, and he just told his players to go out there and join it. You know, and the amount of games I've seen at the Etihad when there's 10 players, the teams are going 4-5-1 defending their own 18-yard box and it's just horrible to see. So the fact that Bournemouth came in at a goal 
um, before half time. It, that, I just thought it was great to see. Did any of that and, come... and the reaction to the second half as well? No, because on, they were on top. That 10, 15 minutes before half time, we couldn't get the ball off them. They looked as if they were going to create chances. Um, but then it's just a fantastic sign. You know, we've went 1 3 1, not playing particularly well. Uh, without Kyle Walker, without John Stones, without starting David Silva, Kevin De Bruyne, Sergio Aguero. So it just shows you how far we've come. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I wondered myself uh, after the Leon game where they they actually played well and pushed us, and obviously we had to come from behind twice to get a draw against them. Whether there would be any uh, loss of confidence from City, or whether the opponents and Bournemouth were talking it up before the game, saying that they were going to come and have a go, and but that's and, what and the I believe that's them. what the best teams and most successful teams do. So this is the what, way what, to do it against City, then, well, isn't it? Yeah, Leon, who. I thought were fantastic last week. They really were. But to, to then come from behind and grind out a result, to not play well and get put under a bit of pressure for the first time in a long time at the Etihad and then still come through without your so-called top players in there, that, that's why we're the best. Yes, I love that optimism. Also, it still gives me tingles when I hear Paul Dickoff refer to us as we. I don't know about you. Like When ex-players come back and we have ex-players on City Square and they, they talk about we and us and I'm like, yes. Yes, but that is, you know, definitely so true. And we've got to give, like we said, we've got to give credit to Bournemouth as well. And we wish Bournemouth uh, lots and lots of luck this year. And we hope that they finish above, you know, our nearest and dearest. Absolutely. Apart from the game down there against us. Yeah. <laughs> yes, well, apart from apart that. Apart from yeah. that. Now, the, the, another big story that's happened in the last 48 hours has been Mark Hughes going um, at Southampton. Uh, and I must admit, for the first, I'm thinking to myself, as I'm, as I'm hearing the result from this game against United, I'm thinking, even a draw at home to United, the mighty Manchester United, is it enough to save a manager's Whey! job? It's a mid-table <laughs> clash, though, wasn't it? Yeah. True, true. We're going to gong every time yeah. anybody says anything like this. Yeah, gong! <laughs> yeah, I mean, did you, are you surprised that he's gone? Uh, surprised, no. Um, you know, all joking apart, I think it's, it's been the pipeline to get a draw against Manchester United. Um, at home for Southampton it would have been a fantastic result at any other time so I don't think it's just that result on Saturday or the performance you know the, the, the board down there the owners must have been thinking about making this change a long time ago and I'm slightly sad for Mark you know he was my manager at Blackburn for two years and I had two, two great years played under him and the club did you know we were bottom of the Premier League when he came in um, in the space of 18 months we, we got to an FA Cup semi-final and ended up qualifying for Europe and a lot of that was down to how Mark set us up how does he rank, do you think, in terms of... When we look back now at the, the different managers, and I've been watching City for so long now that there's probably about 50 of them, I don't know, I kept count. <laughs> but how, how does Mark Hughes rank? It's, it's weird. I was, I, when I heard that he'd been sacked, I was thinking, like, how do I, how do I feel about this? How do I feel about Mark Hughes? And I... I, I, I I don't really feel anything like, and and I I don't mean that. I really hope that that doesn't come off offensively in any way. I just I don't have any positive or any negative feelings towards him, which is weird considering you know obviously he was our manager. Um, but you know there's so many of our ex-managers that I have such positive feelings for, um, and even the ones where you know the times were really bad. At least I have some sort of feeling towards them. But with Mark Hughes, I'm just kind of like, uh, like you know. Whatever. Do you think that was Is because that... He, he used to play for United? It might have, you know, I, I think it was always going to be it was always going to be hard to adapt to him. You know, and he, he, you know, he didn't just play for United. He's one of their genuine living legends. You know, they adore him. Um, so that was always going to be weird. But I mean, we've had other people with United connections. You know, we, we really took to Schmeichel. We really took to Tevez. You know, there's there's other connections. Terry Cook, the great. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you know, perhaps, um, but I don't. I don't know. I can't put my finger on it, to be honest. I think it's the United connection as well. And I think when Mark first came to the club, you know, he'd done a great job at Blackburn, as I said. But 
Um, I think he was the right fit for the couple of years he was here. Um, I think he's not looked back very fondly, and I think it's simple because the investment started coming in. You know, um, Rubinho's and all this came in, but he didn't win anything. You know, yeah. and the City fans, you know, Pellegrini, Mancini, obviously Pep at the minute. You know, if you're winning things after being so long not winning anything, you're going to be remembered fondly. And I think Mark's sort of been forgotten about because because one the United thing and, and two he didn't win anything the time he was here when possibly he should have done better I know it's probably never come out in the way that some City fans want to hear the real reason if there is a real reason but Steve Koppel was a great United player of the past he came in on a very short tenure at City I was there yeah yeah. well there you go You probably maybe you don't know what happened <laughs> Francis Lee was the chairman I think at the time and he, he, he he's never really said why was it 44 days something, or something, something yeah. like that? It wasn't very long anyway. And I always wondered whether that was because of the, the United connection. I mean, I was, I'll be honest with you, I was a, a bit of a fan of Sammy McElroy. I think he's a really, to me anyway, when I've met him, he's been a lovely fellow. He came in, made a bit of an instant impact and played quite well in the short term for City towards the end of his career. But he never either bonded. And you've given some examples now, good ones, mm-hmm. of players who have. So is it? It isn't. It can't be just the United thing, can it? No, I, I just think going back to the Steve Coppel thing. I don't think it was anything to do with the United. It was just the state the the club was in at that present moment in time. You know, I, I signed, I signed in the end of August, beginning of September, and to the January, I had five different managers. <gasps> so I actually Crikey. think I was beginning to think I was a common denominator. <laughs> it's like they're all coming in and saying I can't manage him. I mean, I need to get, I need to get going again. But I just think that was a sign of the times. You know, to have that. The, the, the club was a joke at that time. Um, yeah. But looking back, and I, I'll go back to what I said before, I think if Mark had got close to some silverware, I think he would have been remembered a lot more fondly than what he was. I, was, I had meet, I nearly said obviously then, and the reason I'm, I'm, I picked myself up on it was because I'm going to illustrate a story here by <laughs> saying that, using that word anyway, uh, basically when I used to interview the managers, Mark Hughes was one of those, and I remember going out to Abu Dhabi, see, even I've travelled the world a little bit, and when City played a friendly out there, sitting at one of these posh hotels in Abu Dhabi and talking to Mark Hughes, and one of the things, one of the little idiosyncrasies that he had, which you would think that he got rid of with uh, media training, is that he kept saying, obviously, obviously, and obviously, yeah, but that... Was he too bland? I mean, was he too safe? Was was that why he wasn't liked as much? Because people Maybe. love passion, don't they? We like we like we do like charisma. We like managers that have got a bit of something about them. You know, Mancini's a great example of that. You know, the guy oozes charisma, and obviously Pep does as well. So. Um, yeah, maybe. I just, I genuinely just can't put my finger on it. I'd love to hear what everybody, all the other City fans yeah. listening, think about it. You know, do drop us a, a, a tweet and and let us know. But I, I just, I don't know. Um, do you know what? It's not often that I don't have an opinion on something cheesy, but you've got me. I just don't know what it is. I'm just not bothered. Yeah. Um, I've, one of my favourite managers is Kevin Keegan, and I think... Why... Well, there's charisma there, yeah. Well, why do I love him? Because of charisma. Because of passion. Because he wore his heart on his sleeve. Because but see, but he, he took risks. T- he came in at a time where he had success. It all goes back to success. Hang on yeah, a minute, though, yeah. Paul. We were in the second division then. But we all love Pellegrini, don't we? Yeah, he's not the most charismatic. <laughs> yeah, true. No, you've, yeah, no, you've got a point, definitely. True. But he won. True. He won the Premier League, and that's what it comes down to: it's success. If Mark Hughes had got us to an FA Cup final, won an FA Cup, won a League Cup after so many years of us not winning anything at all and not being very good, he would be looked at a lot more fondly than what he is now. 
Well, Mark Hughes has gone from his job now and obviously City are continuing to, to get the points. Uh, the rivals, uh, it looks like it's going to be a, a two-horse race. Liverpool get this dr- this win, this late winner at the weekend. Um, I have to admit that I was not watching the game. You two might have been watching the game, but I was out and about and, and didn't. I actually went to Wales Comic Con and, and, and met some By stars. By the way, that, sounds, that does sound awesome and I really do want to know off-air who you met. <laughs> I I'll tell you think on. you've got to get out more often, mate. <laughs> I'll tell you on air, and this this is going to destroy my credibility. That the two people I was looking forward to meeting the most were two members of the Backstreet Boys. But stop it! Stop it! Who did you meet, by the way? And mate, why? I'm not coming in here again. <laughs> why were they at Wales Comic Con? That's a great question. I don't know the answer to it. Which anyway. ones was it? Which ones was it? It was AJ and Howie. Howie, wow. There is some, there's you know, plenty of girls listening now that are going to be super impressed with you, Cheesy. <laughs> I, can't, anyway. I can't believe I'm getting involved in this conversation. Come on. No, so you were watching a football, Paul. You had to have been watching a football. Maybe you, you were now. I was, I certainly yes. wasn't. Backstreet Boys, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I was attempting to watch it, but my 14-month-old is in that sort of stage of life where he's just everywhere at the minute. So it was on on the TV, um, and I had one eye on it, and then my husband was like, what's the score? And I'm like, nil-nil, 94 minutes gone, it'll be over in a second, and then... Can you believe that they got that late winner? Can you believe that as these games go on, because City have made this phenomenal start. I I read a statistic uh, this week that said that the number of goals City have scored at this stage of the season, obviously, I'm doing a Mark Hughes there, aren't I? Um, Is higher than, than last season, but it's actually the highest number of goals scored after this many games or whatever in the history of the football league wow. in Sunderland I think were the last team to have done this back in about the 1880s yeah I don't, I don't think our club existed when Sunderland did I, it I think you're probably right <laughs> I bet we've had a few managers since that, that yeah. anyway the point being that, that City are playing phenomenally well breaking record and yet Liverpool are two points behind I could see it coming I watched the game with my two boys um, yesterday and about 92 minutes Max my youngest um, got the table up and was like look we're getting Aww. the gap, mate. I went, mate. I said, don't. And I just had a feeling that they were going to score. Um, I thought they were. I thought Everton were excellent. Actually, I thought Everton played really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but then defining moments in games. You know, Pickford, who's been outstanding for England and for Everton, uh, makes a mistake. One 0 There you go. But that Liverpool haven't. I think they're a fantastic team. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think they're playing well. Mm-hmm. And you can only have that luck for so. Much respect to Pickford as well, by the way. You know, he showed incredible character. Brilliant. Yeah, doing an interview straight afterwards yeah. and holding his hands up. And, you know, often you'll find, and um, you'll know, Cheesy, as well, that, that, you know, I used to stand in the tunnel waiting for the players to come off and hope that somebody would stop and have a chat with you or get made to stop and have a yeah. chat with you. Um, and the fact that he's, volunt- you know, he's stopped and he's talked about that. It's great, great character. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, hats off to him. But a freakish goal bouncing along. Oh. But the point is, are they going to continue on like this? What what are City mm. going to have to do? Because you can't break. Ignore well, I... them. That's what I, I right. think. Just let's, let's just ignore them. Let's just carry on. Do exactly what we're doing. Um, just concentrate on ourselves. And as long as we keep playing the way that we're playing, you know, the the gap is going to start opening up naturally. My lad said to me because he was monitoring it on Twitter or something, with a couple of minutes to go, nil nil. He said to me, "They'll score. Liverpool will definitely score." And he said, and you could see in his eyes, he completely believed it. And I must admit, so did I. And I kept saying to him, as time went, oh, has it finished yet? Has it finished yet? So obviously, a bit like you, Paul, you just knew it was going to come, didn't you? Yeah, you did. And look, it's, I, I quite like it. I quite like having this little bit of competition. You know, yeah. the, the gap was that big last year. Um, 
and this is how spoiled we are now. Towards the end of the season, people are getting a little bit bored because we're just <laughs> we're idiots, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so the fact that we're getting pushed and pushed um, at the minute because I, I believe that as the season goes on, our squad, our strength and depth is way way better than what Liverpool's is. You know, Manny and Salah are fantastic. If they lose Van Dijk for any amount of time, mm. I think Liverpool really struggle because I think he's a fantastic player. I think he holds that defence together. Um, and they will really struggle if he's not there. But by by the time we play them, sorry, cheesy. By the time we play them in January, and we know we'll have played what, eight games, nine games, something like that. So will they? Yeah. Maybe by that by that January the third, you know, the, the squad the squad difference, the difference yeah. in strength might be the might be the defining for us. I think so, and I've said to you many a time, even at the start of the season, our our strength and depth is, is why we'll win the league again, without a shadow of a doubt. Because look at the game at the weekend, you know, no Kyle Walker, no Mendy, no John Stones. No David Silva, no De Bruyne, no Aguero, and we still go win three one. You know, so as as the month goes on and these eight games happen, the way Pep's going to manipulate the squad, put people in, take them out. By the time that Liverpool comes, we'll be falling in our cylinders. But Liverpool strength and depth is nowhere near as ours. So I reckon there could be a, they get a couple of injuries come the third of January. I, I reckon they could struggle. The one concern I've got, though, I must admit, is that the three key positions. Edison. Shouldn't have any concerns. Come on, it's all brilliant. I'm a City fan. I'm a City yeah. fan. I've been watching City all my life. I've always got concerns. I mean, I talk to people on the vlog that you know, and I talk to people, and I go, well, "What's the score going to be?" And a lot of them, especially the younger ones, will go, "Oh, three one, four one today." I talk to one of the older ones, and they'll go, "I'm not sure about today." And it's the same thing, isn't it? It's bred it, into just us, comes yeah. from, it just comes from being a City fan. But the concern I've got is that Edison, all right, he, he doesn't necessarily do a lot in most games, but Muric is his only, at the moment, backup. The real worry is Fernandinho, who I absolutely love, um, is a key player in midfield. And Aguero, he is. Again, to me, I know there's Gabriel Jesus and others false nines, other players who can play there, but I still feel that in the big games, Aguero has to start. Are you not at all concerned that if one of them gets an injury? Because you talked about Van Dijk there, Paul, and how crucial he is to Liverpool. I feel as if Fernandinho and Aguero are those types of players for City. But Fernandinho's the main one. Uh, Aguero, I love him. I've got a man crush on him. I'm I'm not getting any secret. (laughs) I just think he's been an ex-striker. and and I can can go and watch City and watch Sergio Aguero for 90 minutes. I think his movement's phenomenal. Um, We all know he's worked great since Pep's come in and his attitude has been immense. Um, But we will always score goals with Sergio Aguero in the team or Mm -hmm. or without. Fernandinho's the one. Definitely. You know, he sits in front of the back four. He puts fires out left, right and centre to allow all the fantastic players we've got to go and play. I adore, absolutely adore Fernandinho. He is so instrumental in enabling us to play the way that we want to be able to play um, that he is so highly rated by City fans but to anybody that isn't watching us week in week out he's just he's still not highly rated outside of our club and you know I, I don't care about that you know um, I, I, I say it with you know the tongue in cheeks I don't I don't care about it because we watch him every week and we know how good he is but yes we do going forward need to start looking I mean I'm sure we already are um, for a long-term replacement because you know he's I adore him and I hope he stays with us for many, many years. But I mean, he's, he's what is he? 32. Yeah. yeah. But it, it just gets better with age, Joe. Oh, I think it's yeah. for him to play every single game. We're talking about the amount of games I've got coming up. It's going to be a big ask for him, you know. But look at Fabian Delft back fit, who can go in there. Obviously, Gundawan can, can slip back in there if needed. Maybe not with the same effect that Fernandinho will have. But look, 
we all know what the club's like, the forward thinking, and it wouldn't surprise me if, if they've identified one or two a long time ago who they want, were rumoured in Fred, um, to be in that position, and Jorginho mm. at, at Chelsea, so... Um, the club know that, but um, I still hope we'll see Fernandinho on the team for a long time because there's nobody better in the Premier League or in Europe doing that job that he does. This is the Manchester Football Social, the Manchester City edition. Every Tuesday, downloadable as a podcast. I'll give you more details about that later on, and we'll be back right after this. Manchester City Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. So this is the Manchester Football Social, the Manchester City edition on Tuesday night, 106.1 FM on XS Manchester. Thanks very much for your company. If you've missed the first 20 minutes or so uh, in the company of Nat and Paul and the new look Tuesday night, then don't worry. It's downloadable as a podcast either via the XS app, which is free uh, through your app store or via Twitter because Nat and Paul and me and everybody else associated with the show will tweeted out a little yeah, bit Yeah, you later. can get it on every podcast thing going. And we've got to say, Cheesy, that um, we want more downloads than the uh, Thursday Night United version Easy of this show. That, won't it? So can everyone please just download it? Even if you're listening, you're not going to listen to it again. That won't be hard. Just download it so we can beat them. Rate us. <laughs> give us a five-star review. Yeah. Do all that sort of stuff. Just so right? we can beat them. <laughs> now, I want to resume the conversation we're having about Fernandinho because I know you've got a personal experience because you, you were talking to Fernandinho quite early on mm. in his time at City, weren't you? Yeah, so I interviewed him after his first game I think it was his first game or it would be his first home game um, I interviewed him straight after after a game and he was such a nice man he did a lovely interview and then after the interview had finished he, um, he said to me excuse me um, how was my English? And I was like, your English was brilliant. It was great. It was spot on. I couldn't even believe he was, he was asking because it was so good. Um, and he said, do you think someone will be able to get me a copy of that so I can watch it back? And I was so impressed that he was so cautious, you know, and so thinking about, you know, his English, the way he sounded in the interview. Um, and I was just, from that moment, I just thought, this, this guy's special. That's why you've got a man crush on him, isn't it? I've got a man crush on them all, mate. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's that humility that, that sets him aside as well. You can tell um, off the pitch when you see him in around the training ground, whether he's even out and about in Manchester, you can tell that he's just a humble guy. You know, fantastic professional. Um, and it's 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 impressive for me how uh, the City players and the club at the minute are handling everything they do, all the success with the humility. And But that comes mm. from the top. I think that's one of the secrets, actually, of, of what City are doing. I mean, I know it's a slightly different era because he's gone now, but I remember meeting Pablo Zabaleta in a, in a, in a diff- similar situation to you, Nat, where he'd just done his first interview, really, with the media in English, and he was really anxious and, and, and worried about how it sounded and could he improve his English. Now he speaks English better than, frankly, you do, <laughs> yeah. Paul. That's not very hard <laughs> And he's got almost like a bit of a mank accent to it. I love him, yeah, and I love Fernandinho, him. Fernandinho, I heard that he watched Coronation Street... Really? ..to actually practice his English. Oh, Lord. I'm surprised he hasn't said E by gum in an interview well, that, yet. That's where I went wrong then, I think. I mean, start watching Coronation <laughs> But you talked about the humility there. I, mean, I, I, I can't help thinking when I watch City... Albeit I'm on the outside, and you're a bit nearer to me now because you're you're involved in the club, um, you know, on a, on a match day in that way. And obviously, you you've been a player, Paul, and you in, you know, you, you because of the roving thing you've got as an ambassador, you know, you perhaps see things I don't. But from the outside, to me, 
the players seem to lack ego, which is what you said, really. And if I look through all the players, everybody's got an ego. You've got an ego. I've got an ego. We've all got egos. Yours are slightly bigger. I don't know. You, you're travelling the world with all those screaming fans <laughs> everywhere, Paul. <laughs> but you've got to have an ego. But, it's, but it's, it seems to me that within City's squad, it's controlled. We've seen examples in the past. And in fact, there are examples across the road too at um, mm-hmm. the place yeah, we shouldn't really mention where they have got egos, yeah. and that to me, influ- you know, it has an effect on the team ethic and that has an effect e- on the club. And you know, all joking apart, we're saying a bit about my travelling. I see um, at close hand what the club is doing, not just in, in Manchester but all around the world, and everything's all about humility and how oh. they do things, um, and and that starts from on the pitch. You know, the, the club can't do what they're doing um, off the pitch if the players aren't setting an example on the pitch. And one of the people ask me all the time if I've been lucky enough to watch Pep train, you know, the last couple of pre seasons. And, and that's the biggest thing for me. Look, he's, he's a genius in what he does and how he um, sets the team up and how the team play. But it's the humility that he does it with. And he's got 25, talking about egos, 25 big egos, 25 world class stars. Um, but they all hang off his every single word, you know, and do it. With the the biggest amount of humility that, that I've seen in, in in any sort of squad that I've even been involved in as a player, I lo- absolutely love that everyone that's listening is going to be just nodding along, hearing that because that's what that's what we want. You know, we've had some so many times in 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 the past where you know players have been fat, you know you know not happy, and you know there's been problems between the manager and the board, and the manager and the fans, and you know so many problems that we just seem like such a grounded, steady ship. It feels like everybody is is working towards the same goal, and we are one big team that sounds really corny and if you it's you, so true though. yes it is a huge moment for me and I don't know if you remember was the derby last year at Old Trafford um, I don't know we were talking about Sergio Aguero before um, he got left out of the starting lineup for Gabriel Jesus um, Pep takes Jesus off and puts Bernardo Silva on and you've got Sergio Aguero still on the bench did you see the way he celebrated in front of the City fans Nine times out of ten are a lot of players of his... Love that. Yeah, of his um, stature, world-class, probably one of the best strikers in his position at what he does in the world. It's the biggest game of the season, away at Old Trafford. Centre-forward comes off, he's not even starting. Midfielder goes on, you're still sitting on the bench. And he went and celebrated with the players and the fans as if he'd just scored the winning goal. And for me, that was a massive moment for, for, where we, for where we were going at that time and where we are now. Oh, absolutely love that. And that's what you want, isn't it? You want, I, I've been saying for years, I want to read about my club on the back pages yeah. and nothing else. Absolutely. I don't want to see stories of the players doing anything other than, you know, being incredible footballers and, you know, being incredible being role models. Role models. Well. Yeah. Exactly. I go to the Pep press conferences pretty much before every game and he always goes away from talking about opponents or, or about individuals. Now, I know it's not quite the same as what we're talking about, but it shows to me a dignity and a sort of respect for 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 other teams. And I think it's all related, isn't it? You know, that having yeah. having a having a respect and and not wanting to to be drawn into, as you see so many managers do, a war of words or to have a comment on this, that, and the other. And I think that that feels like an important part of what I'm enjoying from Pep Guardiola. Quite apart from the fantastic football that. He, his team yeah, plays definitely. You know, when you are when you are a real genuine leader, you are that. You know, you are acting the way you, that you want your. You know, the, the people around you to act as well. You you know that is the way that you know people become incredible leaders. You know, and it's it is great that you know that we never see Pep. Um, you know, 
saying negative things, slagging people, getting into war, wars of words. And, um, you know, we, it's um, you were saying before, Paul, I haven't um, read about it, but the comments that Mourinho has apparently come out and said about Pogba. Yeah. Can you even imagine that happening in our club at the minute? You know, it, it just it just wouldn't. It comes from the top and it's a sign of intelligence and not, not just from Pep, but from the owners. You know, everything the owners have done, um, whether it be on the pitch or off the pitch, in the community and in Manchester or abroad, it's all done with that level of respect and humility and Pep carries that on um, and the players can't be that way if it, as you said if it doesn't come from the guy who's leading it on Got a right loving right now for Absolutely. City haven't we Crikey you know, what? <laughs> you know what I was just going to come in then and say this right there'll be people listening to us who say what a lot of sycophants they are you know mm. they're all everybody's everything's brilliant so I'm going to introduce another subject now which good good which, which I'm going to be and I don't know what you two might be as well I don't know and not entirely negative on I'll hey? still be having a living. You can be. Oh, I know you will. I know, I know you will. But I'm going to be a little bit negative here, partly because it's my opinion, and partly because if I'm not, we've got nothing to talk about because everything's so hunky dory on the pitch. But there are two players who feel as if they focus opinions quite strongly, sometimes mm-hmm. a little bit negatively at the moment. One is Riyad Mahrez. No, 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 I don't mean either of these two players are playing terribly or deserve anything, but nevertheless, they focus the minds, and people say to me, things that are not always as a positive. Riyad Mahrez and um, uh, Gabriel Jesus. Now, Gabriel Jesus played against Bournemouth at the weekend. He didn't score. He started the game. Presumably, Sergio was rested. He wasn't even on the bench. We saw the pictures of him sat in the stand watching the game. and People said, is he injured? Well, I don't know if he's injured, but I guess he was probably just left out. And City have got two games this week, Watford and Chelsea, two away games. And you think, well, is that too much for him? Is that the reason he was rested? Anyway, whatever the reason was, Gabriel Jesus started. There has been some negativity towards Riyad Mahrez. I've seen it on the the vlogs and everything that I do. Uh, Mahrez has been, he's not clicked. What does he add to the team? That's the comments that they make about him. And as far as Gabriel Jesus, they'll say, when he first came in, he scored loads of goals. He seemed to be Pep's blue-eyed boy up front. He was possibly getting more starts than Sergio, certainly getting as many anyway. And now it's gone back the other way again. So what? What are you? You know, tell me what you. Th- I mean, I'll tell you now before before you you answer it. The one big concern I've got about Riyad Mahrez is he always plays on the right, and I personally think that Sterling plays better on the right. I know he can play in the false nine. I know he can play on the left, but I think Sterling, who's just wonderful at the moment, can't do any wrong in my eyes. Is should be on the right. I think in general, as an overview, we are so blessed right now to be watching the best footballing, you know, that we that the club has ever produced and the, some of the best players in the world. You know, we, we're top of the league, you know, everything's hunky-dory everywhere in the club, as we've sickly been saying before, that... Um, you know, we're used to moaning. We're used to trying to find something. And are we just nitpicking here? Are we just desperately trying to find something? Maybe. You know, you know that isn't perfect at the minute. Um, and yes, you know, Riyad Mahrez and, and Jesus might not be perfect at the minute. But you know, I, I still wouldn't. I, you know, will not hear a bad word about them. It's, you know, Jesus is twenty-one years old. He's a baby. He's a baby, mm. exactly. Um, and his work rate is incredible. And yes, we judge. We judge strikers on goals, um, but we've got to look at what else he does as well. And his work rate, you know, is phenomenal. For the team, for the team, it is. And you, you listen to any Pep's interviews before and after games. It's all about his team, how hard they work off the ball. And Gabriel Jesus epitomises that for me. Yeah, he's, he's having a little bit of a tough time, maybe in front of goal. But what he brings to the team is exactly what Pep wants. You know, and you, I say it all the time. He's at twenty, twenty-one. He is now. He's he's Brazil's number nine. 
as well. Mm-hmm. So you've not got some, if you've not got something about you, that doesn't happen. And if Pep didn't think he, he wasn't up to the task, and he, but the, the kid's going to be a superstar in years to come. You know, and all right, Aguero wasn't there Saturday, but if Pep didn't think he was up to it, Raheem Sterling would have played as a false nine. Or David Silva would have moved up there, as we've seen before. So, what yeah. about the Mares thing, though? You know, do you not do you not, do you not see Sterling? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Other people, it's your opinion. Don't mean know. it's wrong. Yeah. But Sterling on the right, he's a threat everywhere. I know that. But on the right, he looks so much I more of a I threat. Think Raheem Sterling, you could play him anywhere across the front, and it'd have the same effect on the game for Man City. He's just he's just that good, and he's getting better all the time. Riyad Mahrez, I think it's, I think the wide players we've got, it's difficult to compare them because they're all different. You know, Raheem, um, whether he's wide or plays in the middle, picks up little pockets, he's really direct. We know Leroy wants to get the ball and knock it past and get them in. And for me, Riyad Mahrez adds that little bit of magic to it as well. That, that, you know, he's unpredictable, you know, and he scored some fantastic goals for us already, um, scored some great goals. It's not happened. The, the, at Leicester, he was fantastic for the, the three or four years he was there, but the one thing that was labelled, it was maybe a little bit inconsistent, but that's his game. You know, he can drift in and out of games for 15, 20 minutes and he'll get the ball and he'll do a trick and stick it in the top corner. That's why we bought Riyad Mahrez, because he could be the difference in a lot of big games this year. I know you've got to go in a minute or two, Nat, so I want to ask you this question before... Yeah, I've got, I've got a poorly baby, everybody. Before you disappear, and we hope, obviously, your poorly baby is a lot better and gets, gets a lot better. But when we're talking about Riyad Mahrez and, and Gabriel Jesus and... and this was probably more relevant to you, Paul, in your era because this sort of felt as if there was a first choice, a first team eleven, that if players got injured, somebody would be missing and somebody would deputise. But that there would be in most people's minds, probably the manager's mind as well, an eleven. It possibly isn't like that anymore. But if you were picking your strongest City eleven for some crunch game, would Riyad Mahrez, would Gabriel Jesus be in it, and? Would Sterling be on the right? You know, would you know how how would all this fit together? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think at the minute. I don't think they would. Um, but that's that's no disrespect to them because of the players you've got in front. Bernardo Silva has been one of our best players this season. One of the match player of the year for me. If De Bruyne and David Silva are fit, does he get in your best team? Yeah. Somehow, I know it's an impossible. You know, yeah. so you can't sit in the fence in that one. Yeah. How do you fit them all in? Fernandinho. Yeah. Right, yeah, right. Fernandinho was the holder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Sad, isn't it? Yes, really hard. Meet 2024's most anticipated robot vacuum, Eufy X10 Pro Omni. With powerful 8,000 PA suction and MopMaster's dual mop pads, it keeps your floor sparkling clean. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards, and Digital Trends says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. My point, Sane would probably think, be the one I'd leave out. I'd, but then you're taking Bernardo Silva out to a position that he's not been playing all season. What about David Silva on the left? Are you serious? <laughs> that's why I'm not a manager. That's why I'm not a manager. I know it's hard, isn't it? To say... Jesus and Mares wouldn't get in or my best starting eleven or City's best. There's mm. no slight on them whatsoever. Mm. And that's the point I'm making about Bernardo. I think yeah, I love him, Bernardo Silva. I think he's been amazing. But City's strongest team out there, I don't think he gets in it. But they are going to be on the bench and they are going to be Absolutely. if you're playing eight games in ten you know, in twenty two days or whatever it is, they are going to be a pivotal part of that. 
What would you do? You know, he's put me on the spot there, right? <laughs> Come on, you answer that one. I'd, do you know what? I'd, I don't think I, I'd, I don't think I don't think I can. But um, you know, it's it, you're even going right back to the back four. You know, and deciding who's your best back four. Yeah. I mean, we're really blessed at the minute that we, we're actually having a serious discussion trying to fit world class players yeah. into a team. And you know, we are we're, we're lucky. But um, you know, in terms of you know, you, you're looking at other positions that you're trying to fit in. When you've got Sane in the form that he's in, and then when you've got Mendy coming back. How do you fit those? Do those two ever fit in a team together? You know, we're blessed at the minute that we've got so many options. You've not given her as much stick as you gave me. I like Natalie, though. (laughs) 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 Well, listen, we're going to take a break in a second um, and we're going to go on to Watford and Chelsea and everything. So because Nat's got to disappear, come on, what what do you reckon in the next couple of games? Um, I am going tonight. I hope that we'll see a solid performance um, a good win, no, no injuries, no controversy, just a good standard win. And then we can start focusing. And I, I mean, no respect to Watford, obviously they're having a good season. And then we can start focusing on Saturday, which is an absolutely huge game. Um, I'm going on Saturday. It's the first away game I've been at since the baby was born. I can't wait. We're staying over in a hotel. I'll be having a right Fantastic. jolly. If Beautiful. you're down yeah, if you're down there, you'll probably see me having a I'll little drink. The vlog. Yeah, <laughs> probably best not because I'm on an early train. <laughs> um, but that that's a big game. Um, you know, if we get a draw at, at Stamford Bridge, I won't be upset. But you know, um, it's 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 a it's a huge huge game. Well, I'm going to ask Paul his views on that huge huge game after the break. But Natalie, thanks very much. We'll see you Thank perhaps you. in a couple of weeks. Again. I think I'm next. I think I'm on next week. Yeah, next week. Danny Can't and I are just we're working it out together. One of us is always going to be here. <laughs> right. So remember, it's Natalie, it's Paul, or the other Paul, or Go, or whatever, and me. It's Tuesday pure nights. city. It's Pure City. It's the Manchester Football Social, Manchester City Hour, and we're back right after this. Manchester City Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. You're listening to XS Manchester, the Manchester Football Social. It's all Manchester City. Uh, We've had Natalie from City Square, who's now a new part of the New Look City programme on a Tuesday night here on XS Manchester 106.1 FM. Nat's had to go because uh, of, of looking after her... A young child who's not so well at the moment. Paul's still here, Paul Dickoff, of course, uh, and I'm still here. Don't forget, you can download this as a podcast and we'll tweet out the links a little bit later on. City have got a whole load of games coming up now in, in the month of December. In fact, it carries on after that because there's no international break now until March. There's the FA Cup, there's, there's and the Champions League obviously comes back in, in at the end of February. So there's a whole load of games to go. Uh, you've talked in the past about the squad being the key thing here. Two games away in a week, Watford-Chelsea. We just heard what Natalie's had to say. What, what do you think about these two games? The City have got a great record at Watford. Oh, recently, they? scoring goals for fun when they've been down there. Um, and as much as Watford did a really good start to the season, you know, I don't think they've won in four now. You know, and A couple of bad dunk conceded five goals in their last two games. So the last team you want to play um, when you're on a run like that is, is Manchester City at the minute. You know, even going back, we've said it before on the show, going back to the weekend, you know, we weren't really at our best, but we still went and scored three goals. If you include the Leon game last week, where we weren't at our best, we scored five goals in our last two games. You know, so I, I fully expect, is regardless of what team he, um, that that Pep Guardiola puts out on Tuesday to get to get a comfortable win. Um, like always, when you go to places like Watford and your Crystal Palace, it's you have to you have to start the game properly. You know, you can't give the fans, you can't give the players any sort of any sort of lift, you know, and that's my only worry is if we don't start properly, we could um, be in a little bit of trouble, but over the last two seasons, that's never been a problem. 
Um, you know, we control games right from the very start and make it so difficult for the opposition, especially away from home, frustrating their fans. Because the home fans, regardless of who you're playing against or, 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 or what game it is, they want to see their team going over go. Um, and the way Manchester City can um, retain the ball, the way they play the game, it, it just makes it so difficult for them uh, all the time. So, yeah, the Watford game, I expect um, quite a comfortable one again. You know, and it's, it sounds crazy that, you know, I speak to City fans all the time when I do other media things and they ask predictions for results. Everybody's like 4 0, just seems the norm now. You know, but um, be a big it's an goal. average goal scored this season, 3.9 yeah. or well, something. Which is just crazy, you know, but. <laughs> and, you're playing a Watford team who are conceding goals at the minute as well. Um, Chelsea on Saturday will be a completely different story. Um, Who's the main contender? I mean, no, Liverpool are only two points behind at the moment, but I've heard different people suggesting, you know, it could be that Tottenham are the team until, of course, they lose at Arsenal uh, last weekend. Uh, Arsenal, 19 games unbeaten. Yeah, could they become a real yeah. factor? And, and clearly Chelsea, until... They've dropped a couple of points, and I still think they're a main contender. I think any, any player that's got Eden Hazard in their team's going to be right up there. I think he's just he's a wonderful, wonderful player. He's the one player, possibly the only player, um, in the Premier League that I would love to see at Manchester City. I just think he, he can change the game in an instant. He's his quality, his technical abilities is there for everybody to see. So um, if he's playing, then you're always going to be up against it. But I, I just feel, you know, I watched I watched Chelsea um, on Sunday against Fulham. And they're not at their best at the minute, you know. And I think to to play against Manchester City and get anything against Manchester City, you have to be at the very top of their game. And Chelsea haven't been that the last um, the last sort of three or four games. I know Natalie was saying before that she already she would take a point away from it wouldn't be a bad result. But I just feel the the form you're in at the minute and the way Chelsea are playing. Um, I'll be disappointed with a point because I think we can go there and get all three. Well, these days, the way Liverpool are playing, you can't you can't even drop two points against your, your big rivals, can you? No, it's just going to be like that all the way through the season. I remember, I think it was this time last year, everybody was talking about United, um, how they were neck and neck with us at the start of the season. But sh- slowly but surely, the, the quality and, and the strength and depth, I know I keep talking about it, we'll see us pull away again like we did last year. Well, hopefully that'll happen. Last season, when City played at Chelsea... It felt to me, on reflection now, when we look back at last season, that that became a defining game. Kevin De Bruyne has scored that goal. It was a 1-0 win. Did it, I mean, it felt like defining then. It Could it potentially be defining I said after the game. I, I said after the game that Manchester City have just put down a marker for everybody else in the league um, because people were expecting Chelsea to, at Stamford Bridge to really have a go at us. Now, look, they saying it was only 1-0. We completely controlled that game with and without the ball. To go to Stamford Bridge, and the thing that blew me away about that performance was the pressing and how high we pressed away from home against a top team who were supposed to be our, our main, main um, title contenders. They were champions. And we went after them from the very first minute. Threes, fours, going hunting in packs. Chelsea could not um, retain the ball. And when City won the ball back, they couldn't get it back off us again. And that, that put a marker out not just to Chelsea, but for every other team last season in that performance. And I can see the same thing again on Saturday. Pep's had a quote this week where he was saying that because of Liverpool's form, it's actually making City play better. The the worry for me as a fan looking from the outside is that, I haven't seen any evidence of this by the way, but that some some anxiety could creep in if the, if Liverpool continue to get results when you come to these big games against Chelsea. I don't think it'll be anxiety, I think it'll just push the players on even more. Um, they, they want that challenge, they've shown last season in this season already but people were saying we couldn't do the same as what we did last season we're, we're doing it and as you said scoring more goals than what we did last season 
And the mo- one of the most impressive things about the, about the squad is they they want to be better all the time. As soon as we won the league last year, what was the first thing Vincent Company came out and said? We want to win it again next year. We have to be better to do it. You hear interviews um, with Pep before and after games, with players before and after games. It's always about being better in the next game and being better. So I think that the challenge at Liverpool are putting, and Chelsea, and not ruling out Arsenal or Tottenham, it's just great to say that we're not even including Manchester United in this, which is which is all right. Oh, yeah, it's quite nice, yeah. that. Um. <laughs> but but the, the players will rise to that. They're at the top of the game. They're top professionals, and they'll want to get better all the time. Team selection-wise, um, uh, the last time I was at a press conference, which was last Friday, somebody, in, uh, a journalist, said to him... Uh, Given that all the games that are coming up and the fact that there's every three days for, for the foreseeable future now, do you have in your mind a master plan for resting players, such a player can't play two games in a week, so you sort of have a grid on the wall and you, you put silver in that one, then he misses that one, then he plays that one. He didn't quite. The, the journalist didn't quite explain it like that, but that was what he was getting at. And Pep said, absolutely not. I just pick the next available team. Now, I want to believe every word that Pep says, and I think, you know, as the greatest coach around these days um, and the, 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 the sort of leader, really, in everything that they're doing, I want to, to, to believe that everything he says is right. Also, I, I'm not naive enough to think that he doesn't sometimes say things because it's the right answer to give rather than the truthful answer. I can't help thinking that he sits there and looks at these fixtures and does have that in mind. We saw that David Silva was rested against Bournemouth. We saw that... I mean, I know he came on as a substitute eventually, but he didn't start. We saw that Sergio Aguero obviously didn't start that game and, and wasn't involved in it at all. Kyle Walker, um, you know, there, there are players who... John Stones didn't start that game. Do you? Do you, What do you believe, Paul, as a, as a player, as a manager no, I, as well? I genuinely believe that he's, he's telling the truth. It's, it's so difficult to pick. Surely, though, he's got, he's but, got to oh, think. OK, so... That David's honestly, David Silva gets rested at the weekend, Because right? yeah. Pep's thinking in his head that he's going to play in the team on Tuesday. What if he gets a knock in the last five minutes? Yeah, that's true. What if he comes into that's training true. on Monday morning or falls ill on the Tuesday? I've made that mistake, albeit nowhere near the level that, as a manager, you'll say, "Well, do you know what? I'll rest that player because I want him to play there." Or next Saturday we've got a big game, so we'll do this, and then two players get injured in training during the week, and then the player that's just played Saturday and Tuesday, who's who's now knackered then has to play on the Saturday. So you, you can't think like that. Cause Is it not so, a bit of both There's then? so many different things that can happen, even from a Saturday game to a Tuesday game within the squad. So I genuinely believe that he, he picks out, I said it before, that they always talk about the next game and about the next game's the most important and I think that's how he, how he does his team selection. Could there not be a bit of both, Paul? Is there not some halfway house here? Because you're obviously taking one no. stance and I'm thinking the other yeah. way. Is there not some halfway house where he thinks, well, ideally, ideally... Uh, we don't need Aguero for that one. We don't need Silva for that one, whatever. Or, or do you really think that as a manager, he will just one game at a time? Yeah, look, I've, and uh, Pep's not got the, didn't have the problems I had when I was managing, but I remember uh, when I was at Doncaster, Nathan Tyson was my main striker, top goal scorer, but Tyson couldn't train every single day. And I pulled him on the Friday and I said, look, every weekend off, you've been brilliant for me. Um, and Nathan Tyson, the character he was, was, I want to play. And I said, look, you're going to play on Tuesday night. But a game Tuesday night. Played on the Saturday, 1-2-0, Curtis Main, who came in from scored the two goals and was man of the match. What did you do on Tuesday? I was always one of these that um, if you were in the team and you performed, you t- stayed the next game. Interesting. So Curtis Main started. I then had to go and explain to Tyson. It was a massive, massive thing for me. And never, ever to do that again. 
if somebody said to me, look, and I spoke to my peers, the people I looked up to in management about it, if they say to you, I'm a, if you're resting them, I'm going to play on Tuesday, say, wait and see. That's a fascinating, that is a really revealing answer. Um, thank you, Paul, yeah. for sharing that, because that is such an insight into the way you have to think yeah. as a manager, because me as a fan, I haven't got that experience. I haven't yeah. got that living it like you did, and that's such an insightful yeah. answer. But you've got to manage that, and I had to manage the situation with Nathan Tyson then. You know, mm. Nathan Tyson, I, I, and the only thing I said to him, because I was, uh, whether I was a good manager or not, I based it on being respectful towards my players. And the last thing I wanted was Nathan Tyson turning around and thinking the gaffer's lying to me. Mm-hmm. He told me on Friday I was going to play Tuesday and I'm not playing, he's lied to me. You know, so I had to manage that situation. Brilliant, brilliant. Listen, thanks very much for, for being here t- uh, tonight. Uh, obviously, thanks in her absence to Natalie as well, who had to dash off. She'll be back next Tuesday uh, when I think I've got Paul Lake sat with me as well. Manchester Football Social, Manchester City, each and every Tuesday, XS Manchester, 106.1 FM. Just as important, though, is it's available now as a as a podcast. I'll tweet out the link. Paul, I'm sure, will retweet it or whatever. Natalie will do it as well. It'll be on the XS Manchester Football Social Twitter um, I'll stick it on my Facebook. It'll be everywhere, basically. And when you listen to it, as a, even if you've listened to the show tonight, listen to a bit of the podcast as well. Put a review on. Give it a five-star, obviously. Obviously. If you don't like it, then then still give it a five-star and, uh, and and put a comment and everything, and let's get to the top of the charts. Yeah, and um, I know that Natalie touched on it before, but if... if... The guys who are listening have got any questions, tweet us out. Yeah, and absolutely. Gives us something to talk about. Paul's active just, on Twitter. Yeah, so is Nat. Absolutely. So am I. Ask, ask us questions. Yeah, and we'll we'll talk next week. So thanks very much. Um, let's hope the, the Blues win tonight, and we'll see you next week. Manchester City Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. That's it for today's show. Thanks for listening. You can find us on iTunes, Acast, Spotify or however you listen to the podcast. Search Manchester Football Social and click subscribe. And there's a new podcast out every weekday. So come back soon. Meet 2024's most anticipated robot vacuum, Eufy X10 Pro Omni. With powerful 8,000 PA suction and MopMaster's dual mop pads, it keeps your floor sparkling clean. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards, and Digital Trends says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 